I remember getting food poisoning on a mission trip. Uh, I, I remember it was in Mexico, and I remember I was really young. Um, I, I remember we, we were eating at some, some restaurant, some place. I think it wasn't even the food that we ate, but I think it was the water that I drank. Uh, I think it was the fact that there was ice cubes in my soda um, because they told us don't drink the water. Um, but it was, it was these ice cubes that we drank, and I think the way that they made the ice cubes was with tap water. And so I got really sick from it. And I don't know about you, but when, um, when I get food poisoning, and even to this day, when I get food poisoning, I don't want to eat anything. It's just that you want to expel all the food that's, that's in you out. And you begin to kind of go back and try to figure out how did I get sick? How, like, what did I eat that made me sick? And Sometimes it's so strong and so powerful that when you get sick from bad food, you kind of stay away from that food for a, for a while. Like if you eat, if you ate some tacos that made you kind of feel gurgly and feel really nasty and it makes food go in places that it shouldn't go, um, you begin to stay away from tacos for at least a couple months. You know, I, I remember with the whole even Chipotle craze because Chipotle, there was diseases. I remember uh, Grace and I, we would go to Chipotle at least once a week. You know, I, I, we would go there all the time, but when we read the news that there was, there was contaminated vegetables inside Chipotle and it was getting people really sick, we didn't go to Chipotle for like three months. And I remember I, I was thinking to myself, it, it, we're so concerned about the kind of, the kind of food we eat and we make sure it's washed, we make sure it's, it's clean and it's safe. But at the same time, we don't, we don't, we don't really think about this when we talk about the food that we consume as believers. We don't think about this when we talk about the message that we listen to. And I'm not here to bash on any church. Uh, I'm not here to bash on any pastor or any preacher. I'm not here to bash on any ministry. But it's not even the word that they say when they're giving a sermon. And I've heard some bad sermons. I'm not here to say, my sermons are so much better. I've heard some bad sermons where it's not about God, it's not about Jesus, it's not about the Bible. And it's funny because when I hear these sermons, and it's just about living a good life, being a good person, doing, doing the right thing, the reason why it bothers me isn't because I want that church to do poorly or that pastor to fail or, or anything like that. The worry that I have is, is that that's contaminated food. And it's eventually going to bring about food poisoning, spiritual food poisoning. And, and sometimes it's not even what the pastor says that is what brings the spiritual food poisoning because there are these pastors that they give these amazing sermons, they give these amazing messages that are great, that are wonderful. And, and the food itself, the message itself is, is, is really, really good. But then it comes out that they're contaminated that they're broken, that they're sinful. And I, I don't like even reading the news and hearing about a pastor, hearing about a priest, hearing about someone who has devoted their life to the Lord, and it comes out that there's a major scandal, that there's something that, that, that they've done that is wrong. And again, it contaminates. And it's funny because we, we talked about the Sermon on the Mount and we've been talking about it and, and we're wrapping things up. We're, we're coming near the end of this sermon. And, and one of the major parts that we talked about was do not judge. And it's, not, it's don't judge but instead love. And, and so as I approach this topic, it's, it's interesting because I have to check even myself that I'm not judging 
these people. I'm not bashing these people, but I, I, I do want to take what Jesus says today very seriously. And it's not to judge the people that are involved, but it's so that we would be protected. See, when, when you get served something that, that is going to give you food poisoning, when, when someone gives you a meal, you go to someone's house, and it's like un, way undercooked pork, or it's, it's, it's re, it doesn't look good, and it, there's, a part of, there's a part of you that's like, I'm not going to eat this because it's going to get me sick, but there's also a part of you that you don't want to offend the person that is serving you the food, and so you're kind of left in this dilemma. Do I eat this food and, and not offend this person or, and, and get sick? Or, or do I just let this person like, hey, can you put this back in the microwave just for like, you know, like three minutes and just nuke it because it's, it doesn't look cooked? Um, it's a really awkward situation. But I think we do need to take Jesus' words very seriously. And so today, our passage is in Matthew chapter 7, starting from verse 15. Again, to make very clear, our goal here, my goal here is not to judge. My goal is here is not to bash on any ministry because God's work is being done. It is being completed in all of these ministries, which is great and wonderful. But in verse 15, these are the words of Jesus. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. See, Jesus was the one that kind of comes up with this idea of the, the big bad wolf wearing the sheep's clothing. And, he, and, he's, and he's hiding, and he's ready to devour and, and to come. So beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn, bu- thorn bush bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruits. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. What I loved as I studied this passage, as I was mulling over and thinking about this, is because I've learned this the wrong way. I, I've, learned, I've learned this passage the wrong way, where it is about good fruit and bad fruits. And it's about, it's about the fact that there are good people and that there are bad people. That is not what this is saying. It's saying that there are healthy people, there are sick people. There's a big, very big difference. When you go to the hospital and you find out that you're sick, it doesn't change your identity. You're still you. You're just sick. And so when you're sick, you need a physician. You need someone to heal you and someone to restore you, someone to make you healthy. But just because you go to the hospital because you're sick doesn't make you lesser. doesn't make you broken, even. It just means you're sick. And I think the way I've read this and the way I was even kind of brought up in the church was to think there are bad kids and there are good kids. And so I need to make friends with the good kids. I need to stay away from the bad kids because if I stay too long with the bad kids, I'm going to become a bad kid. I would say it like this now. There are kids that are healthy and you want to be with healthy people. You want to, you want to surround yourself with healthy people. With people that, that they come from good families that are loving and caring and supportive, you want to be around them because they're going to be loving and supportive to you, hopefully. But there are also people that come from sick backgrounds. And not sick in a demented way, sick as in unhealthy. 
And the goal isn't to say, okay, I'm not going to hang out with them anymore because they're, they're from broken families and they're from sick families and they're from hurting families. No, instead, you go into that situation knowing, no, they're hurting. They need my help. It's different. It has nothing to do with saying, I can only hang out with the healthy crowd and I have to shun away the sick crowd. It's knowing, no, this, they, they are hurting. They are sick. They need my help. I need to show them what being healthy looks like that it's loving, that it's caring, that it's sacrificial. And many times the joy of even that kind of friendship is when you see someone who is not from a bad family, but just from a spiritually sick one, is to see that there can be growth, that there can be a development, there can be healing that you are allowed to be a part of and to witness. But what does this have to do with false prophets? Jesus begins this by saying the command of beware, be cautious of these false prophets that come in in sheep's clothing, but inside are these ravenous wolves because we're supposed to analyze them and evaluate them based on the fruits that comes out. First and foremost, this means that there are false prophets. There is an existence of people who will come to you with the wrong message that will lead you down the wrong path. And one of the attributes of a false prophet is that on the outside, they look so good. On the outside, they look like these innocent little sheep who, who are just going around and they're just going, bah. come into our church, come into our family, come into my home. I love you, I care about you. But inside, Inside, they're like that wolf. They're like that wolf that doesn't just want to blow your house down. They're like the wolf that wants to eat you, that wants to destroy you, that essentially wants to kill you. So the way Jesus is saying, beware of them, is to know them by their fruits. And so then we have to ask ourselves, so what, what is the fruit? And I, I even thought about this in terms of how you evaluate pastors. Does the fruit of a pastor, what, it, what does it look like? What is it defined by? And the first thought that came to my mind was, oh man, their fruit must be how big their church is. How many people are listening to them, are following them. The number of, of podcast subscribers that they have. The number of ministries that their church does. That, that must be their fruits. No. Paul explains it in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit that, that Jesus is talking about here is known as the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit in which we can evaluate people by, and not judging them and saying that they're bad or that they're, they're, they're terrible, that, they're, that they're, they should not be fit for, for office. The fruit that we evaluate people by is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. That is, these are the fruits that if you are someone who is a child of God that understands that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that the fruit of, not us, not the fruit of the world, the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's self-control. It's these things that mark someone as being one with the Spirit. And so what's the opposite of this? Galatians 5 even explains this, and I'm not going to go into detail, but it can be summed up in this way. The fruit of the world, the fruit of the flesh, is lust. 
So the fruit of the Spirit can be easily, easily categorized and, and put together into one, one package, which is the fruit of the Spirit is marked by love, and the fruit of the world is marked by lust. And so when Jesus is saying, beware of these false prophets, Beware of these people who come to you and they preach to you a different gospel. The reason why their message is tainted is because they're not coming from a position of love. They're coming from a position of lust. And, and this idea of lust isn't just about physical lust and physical attraction, even though that's a part of it. It's also about lust for money, a lust for power, a lust for authority, a lust for position, a lust for people to like you. See, it's this kind of lust that is the diseased fruit. It's this kind of lust that isn't something where if you become a pastor or if you become a deacon or an elder, if you become someone who is, is a missionary in a far-off country, this lust doesn't, doesn't go away. This disease is like a rot. It's like a fungus. That as God gives us blessings... As God gives you that job promotion, as God gives you that new house, as God grants you that spouse, as God gives you the ability to have children or to adopt a child, as God gives you these ability, it doesn't make you immune to the disease, which is sin. It doesn't make you immune to the fact that every good gift can still be broken by us, that we can easily turn it. We can abuse God, God's gifts. We can hurt them. So Jesus says, beware. Beware and know them by their fruit. And, and this is really where it's hard, and I, I, I wrestle with it myself. It's like, so then, Lord, what do I do when you see a false prophet? When you see someone that, they're, that the message that they're bearing, the, the things that they're saying, the way that they're living their life is not bearing this fruit of the Spirit, is not bearing this love. Instead, that all you see out of them is this lust, is this desire for worldly things. And again, I see it in myself. And so I'm kind of wondering, like, am, am I a false prophet? Am I someone who, who, that you should be a, a beware of because I fall into that category? And then you realize that the Sermon on the Mount, as great as it is, that Jesus wasn't just giving this sermon simply just to tell you how to live, but he was giving this sermon to show who he is, to show what he is, that he's the Christ, that he's the Savior. Jesus' ministry on this earth was three years long. He was only here for three years because he started when he was 30 years old and he was crucified when he was 33 years old. And his entire ministry is marked by one thing, the fruit of the Spirit. That's all it was. This whole ministry was marked not by the miracles, not by the amazing things that God did. The whole ministry can be so, 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 like, just encapsulated and summarized into one thing, that his ministry bore the fruits of the Spirit. And it's, it's interesting that Jesus died on a cross. And in some of the prophecies, it talks about the Savior being hung on a tree. 
And it's interesting, the, the fact that that's even the symbol that we use is of the cross is because now today, even though the cross is an image of crucifixion, it's an image of execution, of torture, that even today you see across our country, across the world, the cross is a symbol of love. That Jesus was able to show us that his ministry was all about sacrifice, was all about love. And now it's the fruit of the cross that we can partake in, that we can eat, that we can experience the blessings from. But I think there's a, a problem. And I think the main issue, and I, what I realize, what I've been wrestling with time and time again, is we don't want to make this ministry about the fruit of the cross. We want to make our lives we want to make our lives a tree, and we want to bear good fruit. We want to be the ones producing. We want to be the one that it's all generated from, that it's all generated by. We want to be the one who's, who are, who's making our own destiny, who's making my own future. We're, we want to be the ones that, that define the way our careers go. We want to be the one that shapes the way our families go. And it's that mindset that is diseased. It's broken. It's like a fungus. It's like a mold that is going to constantly be destroying the gifts that God has given you, the blessings that God has bestowed on you, that he's the one that makes it grow, that he's the one that's able to take that seed and make it into a magnificent tree and bear much fruit from it. But because we think that we're the ones that made it, that I'm the one that works so hard for my career. I'm the one that works so hard for my grades. I'm the one that works so hard to provide for my family that the fruit that comes from that tree, instead of saying, thank you, Lord, it begins to get a rot that says, I'm the one that made this. I'm the one that created this. I'm the one that did this. See, false prophets, the ones that we're supposed to be leery of, the, to be wary of, to, to, to be cautious of, are the ones that say, I, I built this. I did it. So now, follow me. The ones that you need to be careful of. And again, I hope to be your pastor for a long time, but even be wary if I say things. Like, listen to what I have to say to you today. Follow my advice. Do what I'm telling you to do. Because if you follow these easy steps, your life will be, your life will be saved. Your life will be good. Your life will be fulfilled. That sounds really good. That sounds really great. But the only fruit that I have to offer you, the only fruit that is good, that is everlasting, that will not rot, that will be, that will be free from any sickness, from any death, does not grow from me. But it grows from the cross. It grows from Jesus. I know I nail it into you real hard that all I preach is Jesus crucified and Jesus resurrected, that every sermon's about him. And, and I was driving on the way to church today, and it, and it hits me so hard. If that's not what it's about, I have no fruit to give you. I have no wisdom to give you. There is nothing convincing about what I can say because I am broken. I am sinful. I am corrupt. Ask my small group. We, we, we met up for a small group this past Monday, and I love my small group because, because we're actually honest with each other, 
Um, and and it's, the, it's the one time I can kind of take off my, my pastor mantle, and I can kind of be like, I'm, I'm a terrible person. I'm, I'm horrible. I'm, I'm wretched. And, and they're all so gracious, and they're like, yeah, we all are. And it's, it's, such a, it's such a warm time because I can let that all go. But the reason why I even love my small group is because it's not about me. It's not about you. We're all terrible. We're all broken. And it's so funny because we love to, to boast and we love to say, you know what, I know we're all broken, we're all terrible, but man, look at how great my kids are. I, I know I'm, I'm terrible, I know I'm broken, but man, look at how great my job is. I know I'm terrible, but look how, look how nice the things are in my life. Look how wonderful everything is. So what we end up doing is, is we begin to cover the mold. We cover the rot. We cover all the brokenness. And we don't want to show it to anyone because if they find out how broken we really are, if they see how insecure, how anxious, how depressed, if we see how broken we are, then it's all, the facade, the cover is all going to be revealed and it's going to just ruin my life. That's why I have to tell you today, what I have to tell God every single day is I, I'm a wretch. I'm insecure. I'm not capable. I'm not good enough. And this is where Jesus comes in. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in and says, yes, you are a sinner. You are broken. You are a wretch. You are covered in your own filth. You are dirty. You are destroyed. But I love you. And he offers us the fruit of salvation that was paid at a great price, which was his death. He offers us this fruit. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever been hungry, if you've ever been thirsty, and you get a piece of fruit, you get a piece of food, and you take a bite into it, 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 it feels like you've just been restored. That it, it gives you confidence. It gives you strength. It gives you bravery. Not because you are confident, not because you're strong, not because you're brave, but because someone gave you something. And it's the fruit of the cross. It's this genuine love. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's this feeling inside, but it's not even just a feeling. It's, it's, it's happening in the spiritual realms. It's happening in, 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 in kind of a way that I don't even understand. But when you find that salvation from Jesus... And it's not just that I've, I, I believe in Jesus, my Lord and Savior. It's that daily need, that daily moment of taking up your cross and saying, I'm not good enough. I deserve to die. And Jesus granting you eternal life for today. That we begin to realize, I don't want my fruit. I want his fruit. And that diseased tree your life that has been diseased and broken, Jesus wants to make new. He wants to heal you. He wants to make every blessing that comes from him no longer be a chain. He wants to make every blessing a platform, a place which you can stand and say, all these things don't matter as long as I have Jesus. When Jesus says, beware of false prophets, beware of men, Beware of women. Beware of people that think that they have the answers. That think that they have it all put together. That think that they are the ones in control. And that may be you. 
you may, be, you may think, I'm, I, I have everything together. I'm in control. You may think that you are the, the, the one who is able to control life and death even. Let me break it to you. You're not. You're not in control. You don't have it all together. And you can argue with me all day about this. You can argue and say, no, 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 you don't understand. My job is doing really good. I I'm making a lot of money, so I'm in control. You may even say, my children are doing really well. They're getting into Ivy League schools. Like, I I've done a good job. I have it all together. Let me break it to you. Something can happen in a blink of an eye. And this isn't to fear you. It's not to scare you. It's to explain and, and help you understand that we live in a broken world. And you're a reason why it's broken. Many times we think that because we, 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 we have everything together that we're in control. But it's like looking at a basket of fruit and seeing all the rotten and broken ones and you see one that kind of looks good on the outside. You take a bite into it and you realize the inside is rotten just as much as the rest. See, Jesus' goal isn't to make you into good people isn't to make you the savior, isn't to make you the one that has everything in control. The goal that Jesus wants is that he is the vine and we are the branches. The goal is not that you become self-sufficient. The goal isn't that you become independent. The goal is that we become grafted into him and we become nourished by him, not because we're doing so much, it's because he's giving us so much. And like we were telling the children, the beauty of that is as we receive the fruit from the cross and as we enjoy it, I want you to enjoy your family, enjoy the gifts that God has given you, that as you enjoy it, that God also gives you a call to plant some seeds. Like let's say you get a promotion. Have a party. <laughs> if, you, if you get that promotion at work, have a party, throw a party. Your job is to plant the love of God into others. Use that as a, a context, a platform to show that to others. Football season starting, and I'm so happy football season starting. That's a blessing from God. Throw parties. Use it too to express the love of God. And not that everyone say, oh man, he throws the best football parties. He throws the best parties. He has the best seven-layer dip. No, it's not about that. It's they would know, man, he's so loving. They're so caring. It's because they're Christian. It's because they believe in Jesus. Church, I want you to enjoy blessings. But I don't want to take the seeds that come from the blessings and just throw them away. I want you to begin to plant them. And as they grow, and I guarantee you, they will grow. When you, when you express love to others and you plant those seeds into other people, it will grow. The question is, who are you going to give credit to? Are you going to say, oh, I'm such a good planter. I'm such a good gardener. I planted all this love into my neighborhood, into my community, into the people around me. And now look at all the fruit that's being born. I'm so great. I'm so wonderful. Or are you going to say, I planted these seeds and God is the one who made it grow. God is the one who, who gave us so much fruit, so much bounty, all glory and honor go to him. When I read this, beware of false prophets. I agree. Beware of me. Beware of any preacher, any pastor, anyone who speaks to you. Beware of them. The one person I know you have no fear of having to even question is Jesus. He's the only one. He's the only one whose message is pure. 
who is clean of any motive. I, I can guarantee you any man who speaks, any woman who speaks, there's ulterior motive that make them like sheep, sheep in wol- wolves in sheep's clothing. But Jesus is the lamb. He is the sheep. He's the one that was not a wolf, but he's the one that died for all of our sins. And it's because of that that now we can be healed. We no longer have to be diseased trees with diseased fruit, but instead we can experience the fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we are so sick. We're so broken. Lord, we think that we have everything under control. We think we bear good fruit. We think we do good things. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand that you are the only one that can bear good fruit. That only through the Spirit can we, can we have love. Can we have joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. We want these things, Lord. But we're so sick that we think that we can make them. Lord, I pray that you would give us a spirit of humility, knowing that it all comes from you. Father, I pray for against any pride, against any boasting. Father, I pray that in any circumstance we would know that you are at the center. Father, I pray that as we focus on Jesus, as we focus on the good prophets, on, on the good Lord, on our good Savior, Father, I pray you would give us a heart to know that you are, you are God and you are perfect. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.